Hello, everyone. Welcome, family old and new. We're so glad to have you with us. We're so grateful that you chose to worship our God together with us today. It's a blessing that the God who was, the God who is, and the God who will be is the same God who has loved us, the same God who's loving us now, the same God who will always love us is the same God who's with us today. So if you're visiting us, um, we're just glad to have you. Make sure you check out our website to find out a little bit about us. Um, and if possible, send us an email. We'd love to connect with you as well. Um, after to this service. Uh, this week, we're going to be starting a new series, something a little bit different. Um, last past week, we, we went through Ash Wednesday as we entered this Lenten season. So for the next six weeks, we're going to be talking about walking with God as we journey through Lent. Uh, Lenten season is about 40 days or, or six weeks. So that's why we're going to have six sermons in a row focusing on different aspects of, of Lent. Now, as we talked about this Lenten season, um, we kept coming back to this word journey. And, and as we go on this journey together, my hope is that we are not only holding on to God, but this is an invitation for us to hold on to each other. Now, one of the things that's fascinating in our Christian faith is that a lot of what we believe is, is in tension with each other. Um, not necessarily a, an either or, but it's a, it's a both and. And so the same thing I want to bring, that same memory or that same tension as we talk about and think about Lent for these next several weeks, for example, these are things that, were, that are intention, you know. We believe that Jesus is fully God and, and, and fully man. That's intention. When Jesus speaks and preaches and, and teaches, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is here, but the kingdom of heaven is coming. That's intention. So as we go through this Lenten season, sometimes we focus on the, the wilderness and Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness. But also, when we go through Lent, the 40 days brings us to Good Friday and then to Easter Sunday morning. So I want us to take both the wilderness and our march to Calvary and hold those two in tension. Because I believe that right now, some of us are in the wilderness. We're in a dry place. We're in a cold place. We're in a hard and very lonely place. We're in the wilderness. But some of us are not just in the wilderness, but even maybe in spite of the wilderness, we're still marching on to Calvary. We're still taking up our cross daily to follow Jesus. So even though it may be a dry, cold, lonely place, with our eyes fixed on Jesus, with our spirits submitted to the Holy Spirit, and with our Father guiding us, we can not only live in tension of wilderness and Calvary, but we can march to God together. This morning, we'll be looking at Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. I would say if you have your Bibles, uh, please turn there. But the translation is going to be a little bit different. Um, it'll actually be a translation I did a couple years back, and we'll have it on the screen for you um, as I read. But before we get started, I'm just going to say a quick word of prayer, and then we'll go to the scripture. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for songs. We thank you for the gift of scripture. We thank you for how songs and scripture can become our prayers. Lord, we thank you now for these words of David thousands of years ago. We thank you for the thousands and maybe millions of people it's blessed. We thank you for how it's revealed who you are, how you love, how you lead, how you guide, how you protect, how you bring us peace, how you're always there for us. Lord, help this psalm to not just be a song for our souls, to not just be scripture for our minds, but be prayers that go up to you with our lives as well. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for the spirit in us. Thank you for the body of Christ around us. Thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. 
Amen. So Psalm 23, again, it's going to be a little bit different, not that much different, um, but this is just my personal translation of Psalm 23. Yahweh is my shepherd. I do not lack. He makes me lie down in grassy pastures. He guides me with care by completely restful waters. He restores my entire being. He guides me faithfully along the right path because of who he is. Even when I walk in the darkest valley, I do not fear calamity, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You set a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil and my cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness pursues me and chases me down until I'm captured all the days of my life. And I dwell in the house of Yahweh so long as I live. Now, the Psalms are, are fascinating and maybe I think the most interesting collection of writings in all of the scripture. For many people, one writer called the Psalms a sanctuary. For in the Psalms, we see holiness. We see sacred texts. We also, though, see safety and protection. So you see that tension again of the Psalms being holy and sacred, but also providing safety and protection and hosting in a place where we can come to worship God. I believe, though, that the Psalms are so beloved because they become familiar they become some of the first things we learn about God or we remember about God. They become songs that we sing in our souls, but they also become prayers. And this is what they've been for thousands of years. The Psalms as we know them are songs that were sung. They're scriptures that we remember, but they're also prayers of the saints. It reminded me of a lady by the name of Fannie Lou Hamer, who's one of my, my absolute heroines of the faith and, and just heroine of people. Here's a lady who suffered just about everything an African-American black woman could suffer in America. Yes, she kept singing her songs, praising her God, and working to make a better world. In fact, Fanny's songs were called songs of salvation, songs of redemption, songs of struggle, yes. But there were songs that people remembered that she would sing and praise God as they got ready to march for their rights, as they sat on the bus to maybe go to a sit-in, as they waited in line to fight for even the right to vote. Fanny's songs reminded me of almost like modern day psalms because a lot of these songs were based on scripture, yes. A lot of these songs were songs that were familiar to people who grew up in church, yes. But I believe these songs were prayers as well as they went into the belly of the beast, so to speak. And it's with that mindset, I want us to come to this psalm this morning. That yes, it's a psalm of David. Yes, it was a song from thousands of years ago. Yes, it's scripture. But I believe it's also a prayer, and it can even teach us how to pray. In this psalm, and probably David's most famous psalm, we learn about David's personal God, Yahweh. We learn about David and his personal relationship he has with God. But what's even more brazing about this personal relationship is that we get the opportunity to have this same relationship with God. This most famous psalm has inspired Christians and Jews for thousands of years. It's been used at weddings and funerals. It's been used at other life events. It's been used by artists of every hue, of every kind of art. It's been inspiring for children for years because for many of us who grew up in the church, this is maybe the first scripture that we memorize. 
But David sings this song. And the reason it becomes a personal prayer, even for us, is that David sings about the God he knew. When I was younger, I think I had a New King James Bible. And I remember in the New King James, at least my version, there were 17 times that David addresses God with I, me, or my, using personal pronouns, which it doesn't seem like a big thing. But it does remind us that David is not talking about a God who's way up there. David is not talking about a God who cannot relate to him. David is not talking about a God he doesn't know. David is talking about a God that knew him intimately and that he knew personally. So in the psalm about David and the God that he knew, David uses God's personal name of Yahweh. If you were tracking with us a couple weeks ago, we talked about how Moses and the burning bush, where when Moses has this encounter with God, where when Moses has this revelation of God, Moses learns God's personal name. And that personal name was a revelation of who God is. God says, call me Yahweh because I'm the one who was, I'm the one who is, I'm the one who will be, and I'm the one who's with you now. God promises, and in God being our personal God, we get the same promise he made to Moses. We get the same promise he made to David. That Yahweh of the Old Testament is our God today, the one who was, the one who is, the one who will be, the one who says you might be in the desert, in the wilderness now, but I am with you. Yes, you're trying to take up that cross and follow me, but I will march with you hand in hand. The other thing that's fascinating and I've always appreciated about the psalm is that there's two primary roles that David plays. The first is he grows up as a shepherd boy. And as a shepherd boy, he has to provide for his sheep. As a shepherd boy, he has to make sure his sheep's at peace. Because if they're not at peace, they can't grow. If they're not at peace, they can't thrive. As a shepherd boy, he has to protect his sheep. He has to go out of his way to do what's best for his sheep. And so David, the shepherd boy, who looks at his relationship and how he takes care of his sheep, he looks down and he realizes that, oh my goodness, how I love my sheep is how our personal God loves me. And I love this because David kind of reinforces this fact that God will reveal to us who God is sometimes based on what we most deeply know and understand. David knew about shepherding. And God says, everything that you know about shepherding, I am that to you. I am your shepherd, David. I'm the one who watches over you. I'm the one who provides for you, protects you, gives you peace. I'm the one who blesses and anoints you, David. David was also a king. Now in that culture, the king was supposed to not just be the one who gets your taxes, yes. But the king was supposed to be the one who fights for you. The king was supposed to be the one who works together for your good. The king was supposed to be the one who, you know, when the roads in your lives are all cleared by, by you know, sticks from the road and, and bushes, and the king was supposed to clear a path for you so that you can walk down the straight way. The king was supposed to be there for you. And David looks at his life, looks at his relationship with God, and he says, oh my, God is my king. He's the one who works for my good. He's the one who's cleared the paths and made my way straight. He's the one who's always looking out for me. David and his personal God 
It's so personal that David looks at even the things that he thinks he knows the most about. And he realizes that God's able to take that and teach him about God. David is a shepherd. So he sees God as the shepherd who provides, who protects, who gives peace. David is a king. So he sees God as not just almighty, but almighty and working for his good. And I think David's song can become a prayer because when we see God as shepherd and king, when we say, God, you're the provider, there is nothing I lack. It becomes not just a statement. It becomes not just a hope, but it becomes a prayer, a prayer that God in you I will trust. In my time of trouble, it is you I will look to. In the times of struggle, it is you who will be my refuge and my strength. God, it is you I give my life to. God, it is you I rely on, I depend on, because you are indeed my shepherd and king. You are the one in whom I lack nothing. David's song becomes a prayer to us because David sees God as the one who's the arbiter of his peace, as the one who guides him with care by restful waters. You may be in a dry and cold and lonely and hard place, but God is willing and God wants to grant you his peace and submission to the spirit and eyes focused on Jesus will help us as God will lead us carefully to the restful waters because God desires to refresh our entire being. It may be dry, but Jesus is the living water. It may be cold, but let the love of God warm your spirits. It may be lonely, but always remember the spirit of God lives inside of you and the body of Christ is around you. It may be hard, But please do know that God right now is working in you, through you, and for you. David looks at God as shepherd and king, as the one who protects him, as the one who guides him carefully by those those, uh, restful waters. And I think the most beautiful thing about Yahweh is not just that God promises that I have loved you even before you know it, that I'm loving you even right now, that I will love you even in the future. I think the most amazing thing about God revealing himself personally as Yahweh is that he's saying, I am Emmanuel. I am with you now. So if you're in the desert, know I'm with you now. If you're in the struggle, know I'm with you now. If you're walking and marching and loving for me, know I'm with you now. God's protection isn't just a shield around us. God's protection is God inside of us, God all around us, and God walking with us. You know, I talked a lot about how David knew about shepherding, so he sees God as a shepherd. David knew about being a king, so he sees God as his king. But the one role that's easy to miss until we get to that famous verse. Some of us grew up hearing it as, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, David wasn't just a shepherd. David wasn't just a king. David was also a warrior. 
Someone who chases down the enemy until they're captured. Someone who's relentless until victory comes. Someone who will do anything to get the victory. Yet when David closes the psalm, and I think this is probably the most important thing about the psalm, at least for me, as he closes it, taking that same warrior mindset and making it about how God loves us. David says, God, surely your goodness and loving kindness. In the Hebrew, it's chesed. In the Greek, it's agape. David is saying, God, surely the fact that you always work for my good. God, surely the fact that you've always loved me. God, surely the fact that you love me now. God, surely the fact that you're loving me even right now and you'll love me in the future. God, that love that you have for me is not like a shadow that follows me. And I think a lot of times, at least for me, when I read, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me, I'm like, yeah, it's God. That's what God does. God just loves. And I thought about God's love as like a shadow I couldn't shake. But for David the warrior, God's love will chase him down until he's captured. What a reminder to us that though we may be in the wilderness, God's love will chase you down until you're captured. Though we fall short, God's love will chase you down until you're captured. Though we may be cold and lonely and hard, God's love promises to chase us down until we're captured. So knowing who God is, knowing what God promises, helps teach us how to pray. In Psalm 23, we're introduced to a very personal God. And David and Yahweh have a personal relationship, not just because of his life experience and what God has done, not just because of what God is doing, not just because of what God has promised David for generations to come, because David knew God was with him. Now, for most of us who grew up in church, at least, at least when I grew up in church, we talked about a personal relationship with God. It was about salvation. It was about maybe that one-time thing or, or that reflection of God has saved me. The Father made the plan for salvation. The Spirit convicted me. Jesus died for me. The Father forgives me of my sins. That's what it means to have a personal relationship. But sisters and brothers, that's what it means, I think, to start your personal relationship with God. Because a relationship must be alive. And to be alive, it must keep growing. And if it keeps growing, and for it to keep growing, you must stay connected. I think David's personal relationship is not because God saved him, oh, that one time. Or that God saved him, oh, for eternity. But David's personal relationship is that every single day, he was investing in time with God. All of our relationships that we value, we put time into. So when David says, my God is personal, and if prayer has to be personal, it must be something that we invest in. It must be something that we invest in to keep the relationship alive, to help the relationship grow, and to keep us connected. Yes, God is Yahweh. Yes, God does love you, is loving you, will always love you. Yes, God is with you. But prayer is a reminder 
and a question, am I with God? Am I investing in this relationship? Because prayer is that conversation that invites me to not only speak, but to hear from God. The other thing about prayer that I love is if you want to grow this relationship and stay connected, prayer affords us the blessing, but also the requirement of honesty and vulnerability. Another one of David's famous Psalms is Psalm 139, which always humbles me because that Psalm time and time again shows us that God is Yahweh, that God is everywhere we are, that God has been working even before we existed, that God is working and with us now, that God will work in the future but that God knows everything about us and still loves us. The first time the Psalm 23 really became a prayer for me when I had to learn a lesson about vulnerability was a couple of years ago where in the span of three or four hours, I found out that two good friends from high school who I had still been connected to had both passed away. And I remember the wilderness that I felt that day about the coldness, the, the loneliness, the hopelessness of knowing I'll never see them again on this side of heaven. It was that day I learned to pray anew. It was that day I learned that there's nothing I could feel that God can't hold. It was that day that I learned that I can be like the psalmist and shout out to God in my anger and cry out to God in my frustration and grieve the pain that I was feeling and that God can hold it as God holds me. Prayer requires honesty and vulnerability. And if you're willing to be honest and vulnerable, you will learn that not only is God Yahweh, the one who loves you, the one is loving you, the one who's with you, the one who will love you, you'll learn that God is good. And it was around that time I learned a Jason McReynolds song that is, again, a song that has become a prayer for me. In the last two lines of the chorus, I'm going to butcher it, but it goes something like, may your bad days prove that God is good. May your whole life prove that God is good. When we're honest and vulnerable with God, it's a chance not only to stay connected and to grow, but it's a reminder to us that God will see us through. Because yes, he's Yahweh, but he's also good. The third thing about prayer that Psalm 23 teaches us, I think, is that it must be conversational. I had an aunt who would always tell me, you got one mouth. It might be a little bit big for your size, which I know you just have to imagine that I have a big mouth. You have to imagine that. But she always told me, you have one mouth and two eyes. And I'm sure I'm not the only one who heard this, right? You need to listen twice as much as you speak. And I'm still working on that. I think she started telling me that when I was nine, and it's been almost 30 years we're working on it. But the thing about prayer being conversational is we have to learn how to make space to hear from God. Because all of our best relationships are conversational. If I love you and I care about you, you don't just get my to-do list. If I love you and I want to grow with you, I don't just come to you with my list of requests. 
if I love you and I care about you, I don't just think about me all the time. Me, me, me. If I love you and I care about you, I must learn. I will learn. And I'll try my best to learn to listen. And that's what we have to do in prayer. To not just make it about our to-do list, because God cares about those. To not just make it about our requests, because God cares about those. To not just make it about me, 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 because God cares about us. But to make it about God forming us, God shaping us, God hearing us, God reaching us, God touching us. And the best way to do that is to learn to listen. Prayer is invitational. I love that the God who spoke the world into existence desires union with us, desires union with you. That God stoops down from heaven to hear you. That God always meets you where you are. God so loved, he sent his son. God is loving now and with us by sending the spirit to live inside of us. To sending the church, the body of believers in this local community at Itchbeck, but also around the world to be with us. God in prayer invites us for union, for connection, for growth. And the thing about invitations is you have to accept them. Are we willing to accept a prayer life that requires us to be vulnerable with God, to be honest with God, to listen to God? Because if we're willing to do all those things, we'll learn maybe the best lesson I've learned about prayer is that prayer grows your faith, your trust, your dependence, and your relationship with God. When I was in seventh grade, I was hit by a car. It's a really long story. I'll tell you sometime when it's not being, you know, taped. Because it's, I don't know if it's embarrassing, but it's something, you know. But in this story, I remember that there was a, a street, 70th Street, by my old house I grew up in, where we were terrible. You know, we would basically look right and look left and then sprint across. And I remember this day I was going to help someone out at the store. And I remember I did everything I thought was right. I looked right, I looked left, and there's a cop car right up on me. And the car saw me too late, and I definitely saw the car too late, and the car hits me. And I remember, you know, rolling in the air a couple times, at least in my head. And I remember landing. And I remember my, my cousin and my friends were across the street. I remember them coming to me. I remember not necessarily losing consciousness. And I remember instead of us going to the hospital, I was taken home. And I remember, you know, I walked up the stairs and I just felt tired. And I remember I just said I wanted to lay down. And then, probably at that point, the scariest thing that ever happened or maybe ever will happen in my life happened. I think after all the shock wore off, I remember for the rest of that night, I wanted to but I couldn't move any of my extremities. My head can go back and forth and back and forth, but from the neck down, I couldn't move. And I'm telling you, I had prayed before in my life, but I've never prayed like that. I can only think of one other time that I prayed like that. Where for me, it wasn't about just, oh, I need to be vulnerable here. I was vulnerable. It wasn't just, oh, I need to be honest here. I was honest. But there's only so much I could cry out in my spirit. 
And I needed to just sit and then trust and pray and call out to God. And as you can see, you know, I'm standing before you today. I'm walking. I'm good and all that. But I always think about that night. Because I remember my cousins standing over me and holding up a Bible and trying to flip it and help me read to try to take my mind off of it. I remember friends and family being around me. I remember people praying for me. But I also remember that that was a night where I woke up knowing that no matter what my lot, my God was with me. My God was on my side and my God would love me. David's song is not just scripture. I believe it can be prayer for us. So I have one little challenge, and I want to close with this. I want all of us, anyone who hears this, I want you to do this this week. Some of us maybe already do this as part of our spiritual practice. This will be natural to you. But I want everybody, every day this week, I know it's Lent, so what else are you going to do, right? But I really want us to try this this week. I want you to find a space in your house, maybe a space that's just quiet, a space that you can create, um, and also just make, you know, peaceful. And all I want you to do for as long as it takes, you know, for some people it might be 30 seconds and that's great, good job. If you already do kind of reflection and meditation, you might be already doing like 30 minutes, that's great for you too. But I want every single day for the next week, for you to simply do this, read Psalm 23, then read it slower, then read it even slower. And after that third reading, I want you to just sit and ask God to speak, to ask God to call to memory, to just contemplate on what God is saying to you, for you, about you in this psalm. Every single day. Pull up a little side of your bed or maybe your room or your office. And I just want you to read it three times. Regular speed, slower, slower, and then just sit with it. And simply saying, God, Holy Spirit, help me receive what you have for me. And that's it. And if something cool happens, you know, please let me know because I think that'd be amazing. But more than that, I believe that this reflection on the song of David, the scripture that's so familiar, will reveal the start of a prayer or the continuation of a prayer life that will bless you, not just this Lenten season, but hopefully for the rest of your life. Because God is indeed your shepherd. God is indeed your king. God is indeed the warrior who's going to chase you down until you're captured. God is love. God has loved you. God will love you. And praise God who's with us now in the wilderness and on our march to Calvary. Amen. God bless you all.